0: Hello and welcome to Mark My Words. Mark My Words is the only podcast produced exclusively for independent paint and hardware retailers, as well as other members of the independent retailer channel. I'm your host, Mark Lipton. Thank you for listening. They say that uh, politics makes strange bedfellows businesses far worse uh this is my first podcast in a while as as some of you have commented to me and and that's because as many of you know from from reading my blog or following me on linkedin i'm transitioning into my new role at at benjamin moore and i don't have to give you the details here you all know that uh, but i am just very quickly preparing a full season of podcasting produced exclusively uh for the dealers of my new boss uh and 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 right about the time that I was finalizing those plans, I was approached by C2 to do two podcasts with some of their dealers. The The one that you hear now and, a, and another one that's prepared for a few weeks from now. Uh, and I love giving dealers voice, as, as you all know, it's it's why I've been doing this for my entire life. And so I agreed to do it. At the time that I agreed to do these podcasts, this one and the other one, uh, I had yet to sign with my current employer. And, and so when we got to the stage where we were ready to go and, and make an agreement with each other, I, I did make them aware that I have this odd circumstance, this commitment that I had made uh, uh, and that I wanted to move forward with. And uh, it was decided at the time that everybody was comfortable uh, moving forward. We, we all understood that this was just an unusual circumstance. And, and so move, moving forward is what we did. So despite sort of the awkward politics, the awkward optics of me putting out uh, C2 content while preparing a full season of Benjamin Moore content, I love this episode that you're about to listen to. Uh, I, I do understand that that some of my new coworkers may be inclined to feel some sort of uh, betrayal here. Don't. Uh, this work is not intended to hurt anybody, nor should it indicate to anyone that I am anything less than fully committed to the cause that we're taking on. I do admit it's unusually timed, uh, but it's a good conversation that all of our dealers are already having and uh, i believe that any anytime a group of dealers uh, is getting together and talking about what makes them stronger then all dealers everywhere are stronger from that conversation so uh, without any further ado let me uh, turn this over and i i hope you enjoy this episode welcome to the mark my words podcast i'm your host mark lipton thank you for joining me today uh, with me today are three independent retailers, uh, Harry Adler of Adler's Design Center and Hardware in Providence, Rhode Island. Harry, how are you? Hey, Mark. Uh, I've got Greg Stebby of Walls, Walls Alive in Alberta, Canada. Greg, how are you today? Very well, thank you. And uh, also with us is Stuart Norberg of Norberg Paints, excuse me, Norberg Paints in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Stuart, how are you today?
1: Very good, Mark.
0: So, thank you guys all for joining me. I'm excited to, to have you here today. Uh, Harry, why don't we start with you. Just give me a little uh, taste of, of what your career is like at, at at Adler's Design Center and a little bit about your business. Share with us maybe what lines you sell.
2: Sure. Well, this is our 100th year in 2019, which is wow. obviously a big deal. Our company was founded by my grandfather in 1919, right after World War One had ended and he started as a dry goods retailer with World War I surplus clothing and work clothing. After World War II, my grandfather's two sons, my dad and my uncle, added a full-service hardware store in the same building, the same building we're in today. And in 1988, my cousin Mark and I, in anticipation of the arrival of Home Depot into the market, decided to add to that a higher-end Home decorating a store that features decorative hardware, fabrics, wall covering, window treatments, and of course paint. Our paint brands are C2 Paints, California, Fine Paints of Europe, and Farrow and Ball. And you know with our higher-end focus at our hardware store we may have the distinction of being the only retailer in North America that sells both Scalamandre fabrics, and roach traps under one roof.
0: (laughs) Well, you should be proud of that, Harry. Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Walls Alive?
3: Well, in this group, uh, um, I'm a relative. Our our company is a relative recent uh, entrant into the business. Um, we, we, We started in 1963, uh, my father was in the paint business prior to that. Um, I'm second generation in the business. Um, we're we're actually um, in Calgary the oldest paint shop in town. So again, at odds with the other two people on the line today. Um, our, our primary lines are, are C2, uh, Faro and Balb, uh, Fine Paints of Europe. As far as paint goes, we have a, a number of specialty faux finishing lines and so forth that we also sell a lot of. And we sell a tremendous amount of wall coverings, both um, book order and uh, in stock. Terrific. We're we're considered to be, I would say, the
0: high-end paint and decor shop in town. Terrific. Well, thanks for sharing your story. Stuart, why don't you tell us a little bit about Norberg Paints?
1: Sure. No. Uh, We started back, uh, so my great-grandfather back in, Uh, 1882 came over from Sweden, and they were painting contractors, and then in 1885 they opened up our first store. I'm fourth generation, uh, fifth generation, so I got both my son, son son-in-law, and uh, also like a second cousin on the other side that works with me at the stores here. Um, We have uh, two stores, uh, the brands that we carry, uh, Pratt-Lambert and then PPG Glidden and then also the C2 products
0: and so did you say 1882 as in two centuries ago?
1: <laughs> 18, <laughs> 18. <laughs> I just wanted to
0: make sure my headphones are working properly because I thought at 1912 Like I was rocking it at Tremont paint, but I'm feeling insecure at the moment Yeah, no
1: 1882 Uh, So, my great-grandfather, Sven, um, actually, his dad was a sign painter, artist, came over from Sweden, and he started a painting contracting business in Sioux Falls.
0: That's that's absolutely amazing, and and it's lasted this long, or at least some connection to the paint business has lasted this long in your family.
1: Yeah, so we are... um, in South Dakota, we're the oldest family business that's stayed in the business that's uh, in the state.
0: Really, really impressive. That's really impressive. And so, uh, uh, Stuart, why don't we start with you? We're going to uh, move on from the introductions. One of the things that we're here to talk about today is, is the value of, of being a multiple line dealer and... Why don't we start with you just sharing your view on, on why having multiple lines is, in, is important to you, in your opinion, uh, for Norberg Paints.
1: Well, so multiple line, we've had multiple lines actually dating back into probably the 50s, coming with a couple of reasons. Number one, multiple line, um, not that you don't want to trust your, your paint vendor, but having another one there just to keep people competitive is a good point. Number two is that sometimes the brand that you've got um, they may be good in some of the products but maybe not the best in others and so having someone else to fill in the gaps. Um, the third part is that you know certain brands so I'll say like with Pratt and Lambert industrial wise uh, really doesn't give us much to go to market. So having the Pittsburgh products we're able to go to market with industrial products plus also paint contractor and retail. So, Greg, anything you'd like to add to that?
3: Well, um, I would say first and foremost, um, independent dealers want to have a, a retail climate in their store that is exciting for consumers to come into. I, I, I know that paint stores aren't generally thought of as exciting retailers exactly but I I think we owe it to ourselves to do the very best we
0: can. I take offense at that by the way my store is very exciting singing and dancing every day shop at Tremont Paint ladies and gentlemen.
3: Well, certainly there's excitement in variety and the more singing and the more dancing yes. there can be, Mark, the better
0: <laughs> it, it surely is. Right. <laughs> and so one of the things well, Harry
3: um, Oh go right. ahead, sorry. Oh we, we, we started out as a as a single line dealer. And quite honestly, Mark, that worked out very, very well for quite a few years until it didn't. Right. And then It really didn't work very well at all and um, you know one of the one of the problems is of course that manufacturers quite rightly move on with their own priorities and their their own lives and sometimes we uh, little retailers kind of get lost behind so
0: anyway yeah well one of the things that by the way whoever is typing uh, we can hear you in case you're wondering Uh, one of the things that that I always found interesting you know manufacturers they they like to use the term independent. They recognize us as independent retailers. That's what we are by definition. But sometimes this is an area where uh, the choices we make as an independent causes some friction uh, You know, with the manufacturers we deal with. Harry, uh, I've known you a very long time. I know there's not a lot of topics where you have no opinion, but I know particularly on this one, you have some strong views. Anything you want to add here?
2: Well, one of the things I feel strongest about is how valuable our store brands are you know for me i've worked on and my family's worked on the adler's brand for 100 years which is nothing compared to the norberg brand but still i think in our communities our own brands are really the most critically important brand that we have and it allows us to shift the brands that we bring in because paint is not a self-serve item in any of our stores. Right. It always involves interaction and recommendations. And when we bring in a new brand that may not be as well known, what we're doing is leveraging our brand first, the Atlas brand, where we've built up a reputation by telling the truth for a 100 years and really trying to solve the problems at the highest level that we can. So I think by putting real emphasis on our own store brand, it accentuates. You know, every brand that's out there that's sold in our channel has been built by us, by independent retailers, right. every single one of them. And, you know, when our suppliers come to us and put that equation on its head and tell us that we are in business because of them, I always think, you know what? That is just 180 degrees wrong. Yeah, we They're in business because of us. We built them
0: all. So you, you actually made a, a really good point before, and I want to call an audible here, uh, if you don't mind. I know this wasn't on the preparation document that I sent you guys, but there's a difference between the brands that you sell, that you make your own. Uh, And your own brand, right? When you say your own brand, Harry, you're talking about the store itself. You don't have a private label of product called Adler's Paint, correct?
2: No, no. We, we, you know, that could be a strategy. I know it is a strategy for many retailers. You know, we have a single store. Right. And uh, with that, a private label doesn't fit for a few reasons for us. But really, by putting the Adler's brand or the Walls Alive brand or the Norberg brand at the top of the pyramid as the most important brand it allows us when the manufacturer changes paths or goes out of business or consolidates we can shift because people at our stores are shopping with us versus the brands that we sell because they they have to change everything you can't stay in business for a hundred years and sell the same stuff It doesn't exist everything is shifting so the one constant is our store brand.
0: Right. And so uh, how, does that, uh, how does that strategy help you focus in your stores uh, on being successful uh, with, an, with an off-brand line, a line that's not necessarily uh, so well-known uh, nationally?
2: Well, for us, by really having people come into Adler's to solve a problem. And they may be coming in. I'm going to pick on a brand. I'm going to pick on Thompson's Water Seal. Right. They're, they're, they're going to put Thompson's Water Seal on the deck. They saw a commercial for it. That's what they think they want. They don't want that. There's no way that they want that. Right. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that are way better. And the thing that they will end up with might be armstrong clark in my store which is not a brand that anyone's heard of in the northeast right that's more of a west coast brand but it's got the best technicals. it's the best answer to that solution if they are looking for an oil-based stain for their deck and so again it it allows us the the maneuverability to recommend the best possible solution and when you you know i train my staff to just look at every interaction as if it were your house, what would you do? And that's what you recommend. Whatever that would be that you would do for yourself if you owned a home, or if, you know, that's, that's the recommendation that we always make. So it's, it's always leveraging credibility for the right answer to the question, not necessarily just giving them what they thought they wanted, because what they really are looking for is the best long-term solution.
0: Right. And, and Stuart, let me ask you, one of the things uh, you had said that, that you had started with a single brand and had morphed into a multiple brand strategy. How do you go about the business of making sure that you're adding value and not just cannibalizing your existing business?
1: Okay, so that's a good question, because when you look at um, any particular brand, so as I was saying, um, with the one brand that we had, they weren't strong in industrial products or high performance coatings. So when bringing in another line, sometimes to fill a niche. So I'm I'm always one that looks at um, how many different avenues do I have to sell paint? So you've got your retail customer and those can even be to some that are higher end. Um, you have those that are painting contractors and then you have these industrial, uh, customers that um, are in a whole different niche and so sometimes bringing in a brand or what starts that conversation isn't because you're not happy with the performance of your interior wall paints or your exterior it's that I need to add something because um, as my sales guys go out or as customers come in there are different needs and they have businesses that they're dealing with that have Um, a chance for me to expand my business
0: and so that's interesting because a lot of the national manufacturers and and deal or dealt until uh, monday uh, with some of the ones that you guys have have named earlier a lot of them look at their line as as sort of the conclusion you know here's my line we have industrial we have premium interior acrylics we have exteriors but that's not necessarily so that 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 means that they can reach every customer just because they have so many products. You're talking about using a line to get into a space where maybe the larger manufacturers are not reaching.
1: Right. Um, I kind of use one of the analogies. So as um, you're out there, it would be like if you're going fishing. Um, So if you're out in the market or if you went to the river or the lake to go fishing, um, some people, depending on the part of the country, they're using a fishing pool. Others are using nets. Um, with that, there's different baits and you're trying to attract different fish. Do you well, mean you to say that, 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 that not
0: know. everybody, excuse me, do you mean to say that not everybody just goes to the supermarket and buys a pound of flounder like we do in New York? <laughs> <laughs> Is there some other way of acquiring fish that I'm not aware of? <laughs>
1: It's uh, That's the final product.
0: Oh, so oh okay. You
1: get, uh, got it, got it. So if you're out there and you're uh, looking for a certain type of fish or you're hunting for that fish, at the same time, um, there are other fish that that fish is eating on that you could catch in the net. That's added value. So with paint, um, if you're out in the market and you're going after a certain customer um, or a retail customer, for instance, comes in and then all of a sudden, The conversation starts up and says, you know what, I do a fabricating business and I use an awful lot of uh, industrial coatings or vice versa. If you are a person that's selling industrial coatings and they come in and say, don't you guys sell wall paints or, you know, house paints? It's like, you know what, I've got the building. Why don't I have all that here? Why don't I service? Why don't I add more to that?
0: and and uh greg how do you assess whether or not the lines that you've brought in uh are adding the value that you uh want them to add other than just you know the obvious oh well we're selling a lot but that doesn't necessarily uh tell the whole story just selling a lot because there's obviously other things that could be going on and particularly as i mentioned before are you selling a lot of something that you would have sold those gallons anyway sort of thing yeah um You know, for me, um, I want to be philosophically
3: aligned with the manufacturers that I'm, that I'm representing. Um, because if you, if you start that way, um, in, in a relationship, I I think there's more chance of a good long-term fit. Um, you know, I guess there's, you know, the, the, the saying, there's a lid for every pot, um, there's a lot of different product out there. Uh, that isn't the problem um, in, in finding it, typically, or finding something to sell. But does it, does it really fit where your customer base typically is wanting it to fit? Um, is it good enough, in other words? In, in my case, does it represent one of the best or the best examples of that type of product in the marketplace? Then I'm interested. Um, obviously, you know, we're merchants, we buy and we sell. So we have to make some, we have to make some dough at this too. Right. So it, it has to be a line that is capable of generating, um, it's, it's, it, you know, it, it has to pay for itself. It, it's got to right. the, the numbers have to work in the end in terms of the investment in the inventory and, and, you know, resupply costs and on and on and on. So, um, I think the, the listeners uh, to this podcast will be well familiar with th- those kind of uh,
0: shadings on, right. on what 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 make up our decisions. And and Stuart, let me let me ask you uh, how uh, Greg Greg made an interesting point about uh, some uniqueness. Uh, how important is it to you that that the products that you sell are are unique within your market?
1: Well, I guess as I look at it, um, I want something that, again, when we talk about um, leveraging our brand or Norberg Paints, I want to be sure that um, if I'm investing in that particular brand, that I'm getting a good return back out of it. Um, so the uniqueness part of it, as I spend my time... And build equity into that brand i want to be the only one that's pulling the the profit back out of that right the
0: benefit of that right yeah and and so in, uh,
1: in other words
3: exclusive in, in other words exclusivity so, Stuart. is that what you're referring
1: to yeah the more exclusive because in the long term um and again as we had that conversation sometimes the paint vendor um thinks that they brought the business to us and that brand equity of whether it's you know Norberg paints as a store um not that we're making paint but people trust us and there is a lot of value and so if i can leverage that long-term equity that's built up in there to generate more business and to have that exclusive line the better
0: And it's interesting because I've always felt over the course of my career how important multiple lines are. Uh, The stores that I just sold, Tremont Paint, we, we always had multiple lines, but I never actually felt like I wanted to be exclusive in the market. I always felt like I wanted to be in a market that wasn't oversaturated with dealers of a particular product. But I I didn't want to be the only one. I I did know that by sharing the space a little bit, it may cost me a little bit. But I do feel like to a certain extent, and I'm curious what you guys think, uh, there's some value to having other people help you build a market in something. Or do you feel like just exclusivity is the most important no matter what, and nothing could be a higher priority than that? Harry, why don't you chime in there?
2: Yeah, I think it's orderly market would be ideal right so that with brands that are um distributed in a marketplace you know i don't want to be you know the only one in the market we have to get on an airplane to find the next dealer of that brand um but i don't want what happens all too frequently which is you know you start selling something and you're the only one selling it then it goes into distribution and then everyone has access to it right um, that so it's a fine line there if i had to error i want more space not less i want more ability to you know if we've done the work on say pulling a color palette together for a client and the painter gets it and they're going to use that brand i want a really high probability of that coming back to me and if there's tremendous over distribution of a brand in the marketplace the odds go down so it's it's um the kind of thing that some additional distribution is helpful too much distribution becomes a real negative so um it it, there's a fine line in there you know i think we've all been the victim of over distribution of brands and so you know i i i lean towards more exclusivity than not
0: and uh, Greg and Stuart, Mark, either, either one of them, either one of you do uh, agree or disagree?
1: No, I. No, I this is Stuart. I, so let me just add into that um, because your, your initial question was having others join in with you on selling. So I look at, you know, with the brand with C2, for instance, um, the people that help us sell that brand and where we partnered with and to answer a problem that they were experiencing is our decorating community. So we've got decorators in our community that um, when they're decorating, they're not just dealing with paint, but they've got their flooring, their furniture, draperies, so many different pieces. They spend all this time with their customer and again presenting themselves as being a good person of color choice and bringing this whole package together Where in the final part of it, where they struggled with, was that then the painter comes in and chooses to color match the colors that they had, choose the quality of the product, and takes them completely out. And when that final package comes in, they're really dissatisfied with it. Well, with having a brand and partnering with people, I think to answer your question, was that if you have certain people and you can help them and they help you, um, we've made it to where having, with the C2, uh, the color selection and also monitoring the brand so that the painter is something, the person that's in the driving seat, again, it's back to that decorator.
0: And, and so we're, we're going to move forward. Let me, let me tee up a little question because I think we did want to spend some time talking about C2. So uh, it's interesting to me that all three of you had existing businesses. I think this is true for all three of you. You had existing mature businesses and then decided at some other time to take in uh, C2. So let's speak a little bit about what it, what it was about your circumstances at the time that made you feel like C2 was a good fit for you. Greg, let's start with you.
3: Okay, um, so C2 actually
0: didn't exist um, when I first needed it. So, <laughs> what 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 ended up happening? I felt the same way about cocaine in college. <laughs> laugh, laugh as hard as you want. I'm gonna cut that line out, so don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's
3: a great line. I don't know that you should. Well maybe we'll fine.
0: see. We'll see. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, So what
3: was
0: what was missing? No, what were you looking no. for at the time and and, and what was what was okay. missing that, that you weren't able so, to find it? So so so
3: yeah. So my problem was that the the national brand that I had and that I was a single line dealer of in fact, I was the largest dealership of that brand in North America at the time, uh, headed to the turnip patch, and the quality went to peck, and uh, the distribution became very difficult. And, you know, basically, if, ever, if anything could go wrong, it, it was going wrong. So I realized that I needed a solution. The other major competitive brand to this particular brand um, was Benjamin Moore. And my problem with Benjamin Moore was that I had a, a shop very proximate to every other Benjamin Moore shop in town. Right. So, so that wasn't an option for me for distribution. And I, uh-huh. I spent a, a good deal of time looking at options, and I just couldn't find one in the end. Um, a group of us, including Harry, who's on the call with us today, um, uh, ended up starting our own national brand of paint with, with the idea that this would be a brand that independent dealers could get behind in terms of both quality and in the distribution philosophy, which, as we've talked about, Distribution is great. You don't want to be the only one within you know, a, a, a three-hour plane ride, but um, you don't want to spend a great deal of resource bringing up a brand, getting it going, and then only to find. And so many of the, the people that will be listening to this podcast will have been in this situation. So th- the specific problem that I had was that my major manufacturer uh, didn't exactly go away, but they, uh, they ended up um, distorting the, the quality, the distribution became difficult. Um, m- many aspects of the relationship became very difficult. Um, the other, uh, for certainly most paint dealers, the other big brand out there uh, was not an option for me because, my shops were proximate to theirs, and they already carried that other brand, being Benjamin Moore. Right, and um, so, so basically, in searching for an alternate, I came to the conclusion that I really did not have a single good option in the marketplace. That is when the discussion started with a number of other independent dealers. Uh, including Harry Adler, who's on the call today, uh, that uh, that we 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 should look at at doing something on our own. In other words, um, forming a, a new national brand of paint uh, by paint dealers for paint dealers, um, and and making sure that that philosophic alignment that I was speaking of earlier. Uh, that, that I feel is so important for the long-term success of, of these lines where, where we believe in the same things as our manufacturers do.
0: Because um, you are the manufacturer. Then,
3: well, in this case, in this case, uh, we are. Right. Um, and, and, of course, you get, you get 20 paint dealers or 50 paint dealers in a room and you're, you're going to get a, a number of different takes on exactly what is required. But it has surprised me how consistent all of the dealers who have taken on C2, they, they really do embrace the essential, uh, you know, this is a very independent, independence brand of, of paint. Right. Um, and and, and Stewart would be a great example of, of that, by the way. And because so I was
0: actually going to ask... A bit after. Yeah, I was actually going to ask Stuart to chime in here, because I, I guess what I'm hearing is that Greg and Harry, you guys were sort of originators of the C2 brand, and, and so I understand a lot of that enthusiasm. Uh, Stuart, tell me when you jumped in and, and what it was about C2 that, that got your attention.
1: Yeah, so I'd say the difference between, you know, those guys were kind of getting put between a rock and a hard place. Um, for us, when it came to our decision, um, probably one of the major components we still wanted a brand that was a premium brand, but color was a a real major deciding piece of it. And um, so, it's not like we were out for the hunt of you know what brands or what did we need to add, but color seemed to be more of a a real driving factor with this. So. Um, when we started looking at it, and that's where the C2 brand, as far as the color and the richness of the colors, really spoke to us and we thought it would be a good good add-on. And then as far as it had some niche products also that um, brought us in even closer. Um, the C2 Guard, um, their uh, wood finishes really was probably our starting point.
0: Right, and so those unusual uh, products... Uh, Harry, why don't you share with me a, a, a little bit about how you use C2 to, to maybe get into uh, targeted markets that you're not able to get to otherwise?
2: You know, with, with C2, the interesting thing has been to do what Stuart's done a lot, which is go out into the design community, which is a very finite world. You know, there's a, a zillion painters. There aren't really a zillion designers of of note in any marketplace. They're they're out there and they're easily identifiable. So we've reached out to them and talked to them about the unique attributes of the C2 brand that make them better at their work, which is always of interest to anyone. You know, C2 has a tool called the Ultimate Paint Chip, which is a 18 by 24 inch sample that is for purchase. And for designers who are trying to select color having a paint chip that's made of actual paint, not lacquer or printer's ink, has been really an amazing tool both with the design community and in store as you're working with clients. You know, with multiple brands, you know, sometimes C2 with a uh, select palette, 496 colors that doesn't have, uh, you know, A to Z because it's really focused on where color is used but there are occasions where it doesn't have the right color and someone will go over to one of the other three brands and they want to see an, an ultimate paint chip in that brand that it just don't exist right so having unique tools and products you know the c2 guard which is stuart referred to in the cabinet and trim paint which is a remarkable waterborne product for as the name denotes cabinet trim and we sell a lot of it, floor paint, but you know it's it's been able to become, believe it or not, about eighty-five percent of my paint sales, my liquid paint sales, is in C two. Wow! So every so my second brand is kind of my first brand,
0: right? Um, and and so not niche at all to you anymore.
2: No, no, it's it's mainstream. It's, yeah. You know, it's it's not priced as high as Farrow and Ball. It, the quality is is really Aura esque and. Um, it's so and it it can be sold at competitive prices with existing other brands, so it really fits a lot of what the market is looking for, and it's become synonymous with Adler's, so you know people who are working with us, we've done a lot of community support projects with c two so we've we've melded it into the local community, and people look at it as being really. Uh, hand in glove with with our brand, and you know it continues to grow, which is a, a really good thing. And you know the other piece of it, because this is a business venture, is that by having you know more select distribution, the margins are different because mm. you know there's an inevitability when you are selling a product and within in a, you know you know. Uh, congested urban market there might be 20 other retailers within a two-mile radius selling the exact same product there's just a uh, natural temptation to try to gain business by being a little bit less than the next person and so by having a more select distribution model it also allows for higher profit margins because you know all, for all the non-profits we try to support would also not try
0: to become one of them and and so one of the one of the questions that i have is you know c2 is is well known in in your stores now because you've built this following uh for this product with within your branding but it, it wasn't always like that and so what what are some of the challenges that you're dealing with when you're starting off with a brand that is not generally speaking you know all that well recognized when you put it into your stores uh, uh, Stuart, why don't we start with you?
1: Well, so starting off, I mean, when you launch as far as that brand, um, you find those, those key products. So again, that cabinet trim was a good seller, uh, or a good launch point. Um, the other product again was a C2 guard. And then when we brought in products, uh, both the Lux and the studio, um, it gave an option. So the next part as far as launching something that you haven't had is, again, you've got people that trust you. Um, With the colors of C2, uh, then they brought in uh, a designer that's basically nationally renowned. And um, again, dealing with those designers, decorators, they had a peer that they respected and trusted them. So it gave us uh, a, a tool in for those people then to listen to the whole C2 story um, would really trust us even more because then you've got someone that um, is their peer and their their type of area of expertise. And then they start looking at the colors so much more and understanding what's behind the product.
0: And I'm curious, you, you all have uh, m- more than than one, not just C2. You all have multiple lines in your stores. Uh, do you look at them uh, all the same way? You're, you're using all of them to try to get into small spaces where you're not uh, currently uh, working, or are you using them for some other strategy within your store? What's the, what's the reason why so you guys have more than a, a two-brand strategy? You really have a multiple-brand strategy. Harry, why don't we start with you there?
2: Yeah, for me... You know, California is, is the um, thing that fills in around everything. You know, they have a following for their product lines in New England, particularly with exterior paints.
0: Right.
2: Um, and, you know, they have oil-based gloss products, which are still in demand in the marketplace and other products like that. And they also have a lower-end line that we sell to some landlords and lower-end, which is not our focus, but we certainly do do some of that work. You know, with the Farrow and Ball brand, that's got a designer focus and you know, retailers who have seen and heard of the brand. Um the Fine Paints of Europe is an interesting one. It's our second line. You know, hmm.
0: so in terms, terms of volume you mean volume.
2: Yeah, yes. No. We do a lot with it. And huh. you know, we've got some painters who are certified who use it for pretty much all of their work and you know it has some phenomenal quality products that really fit our higher end focus and you know C2 becomes for us the work brand that reaches into all segments other than the you know the the, the lower quadrant we don't really do much with industrial uh, that's just not our thing we're focused on what we're focused on and it's worked well for us so But they they each draw in clients, they each have a a reason for being, and for us it's it's worked uh, nicely in combination.
0: And, Stuart, do you expect a, a brand to, to draw in clients? You know, I, I certainly understand with a primary brand, you could say, well, I'm a Pratt & Lambert dealer, or I'm a Cabot's dealer, or I'm a Benjamin Moore dealer. You expect certain uh, names to bring in customers, but with a, a, a brand that's your, your second brand, you might not necessarily get that. Are, are you looking for
1: that? Uh, no, not so much. So you've got a point. National brand, national recognition. So, in the part of the United States that, um, you know, you have people moving towards our area more, that they're more familiar with those national brands, that does bring them into us. But again, as they come into us in the local shop, um, they're, they're trusting us as far as the products. So, you know, having that second line product, if it's not a nationally known, that's our job and our responsibility um you know to to present that to give them those opportunities Um, and again that's with the independent hopefully we can out service you know our product knowledge is is more than um the big box because that's the other you know the big box really the brand of the big box um it's not the paint line that brings it in the big box has almost become like the home, you know, someone moved from um, Chicago to here. Um, they knew a, a a big box store or the Walmart. Right. And that now seems like home when they come to a, a new place.
0: Right. And, and so how about you, Greg? Do you feel like you expect a, a second brand to uh, bring in any business at all? Or is that just not part of your calculation, not something that's important to you?
3: Um, well, again, um, like Harry, C2 has ended up being my primary brand after, um, after my store brand. Uh, so, um, all, all brands that I carry are, are sub-brands to, to my store brand. Okay. But, but C2 happens to be the majority of my paint sales. So I'm, I'm already <laughs> a bit out there. So, so, um. When I took on Farrow & Ball, for example, recently, that has brought in some new clients. Um, In some cases, it has added to sales from my existing clients, uh, whom I thought bought all of their paint from me, but (laughs) now I realize, oh my goodness, half of their paint has been Farrow & Ball over the years. Uh, (laughs) So so I I think it's certainly a bonus uh, having that sort of draw and for me, it would be, I think, part of the calculation. But I'm, I'm, unconventional enough, I guess, to not worry overly one way or the other about that. Um,
0: so. And Harry, uh, I'm going to give you the last word on this because I know you and I have spoken about this a few times before. Uh, So I know you have some pretty strong feelings. Why don't you chime in here? Not that I could stop you, so I may as well just shut up and let you speak.
2: (laughs) Let the inevitable happen. Exactly. You know, to the largest degree, the outreach that one does with a, a second line, if it has unique attributes, can create the demand. The brand doesn't come with its own demand in the case of C2, you know, so If there's a store owner listening to this in an area of the U.S. or Canada where C2 is not, and there are many of those, so if it's somewhere in Wyoming, they would bring in the C2 brand, and you can show it to clients as they come in, and that's something certainly we all do, because if it's a better answer, if someone's painting woodwork, and it's old oil-based and hard, and you want to sand it down and go right over it with a water-based the cabinet trim paint will work on that and it'll work amazingly well so that's one way we sell it is to provide clients who are coming in with better solutions it's a unique brand because it's not a private label brand it has unusual attributes in terms of color so it allows you to do some outreach that can create demand for the brand but that's work that we do and the reason that that makes economic sense is with the distribution model of exclusivity within a marketplace, the work that you do comes back to you. And so, you know, the, the equation is a credible store brand like the three of us, I think we all have that. So just use Norberg as a case study. You know, Stuart brings in C2, goes out with uh, the, the C2 color palette to the design community and says, you know, we, we've been here since dirt was invented and we are in the community, and this is a great product that we really believe in, and this is the color palette, and these are the color tools that will make you better at your work, so consider this in the going forward. So it has that unique ability to act as a private label brand because it's limited in distribution, but it also has some unique attributes that if you want to do the work, you can create pull with the brand. And so, it's both push and pull potential because you can push out the door because you know it's right, and the margins are higher. The business will come back to you once it starts because of the distribution model, and it can be if you do the work, you can create some pull with it. Um, you know, which is work, and you know it's not something that I do every week or month, but this you know, I do it um, on demand and you know, when there's a new designer in the market and we set them up with C2 color tools, you can feel good about making that investment because the return will come back to you.
0: And it's likely to come back just to you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we built it that way. You well, know, that's, we were- thinking about it from the retailer's perspective, not the manufacturer's perspective.
0: Yeah, well, I I think, Harry, that is an absolutely great way to wrap it up here. So, uh, Stuart Norberg of Norberg Paints and Greg Stebbe of Walls Alive and Harry Adler of Adler's Design Center, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your insights uh, on the value of a multiple brand strategy. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you, Mark. Mark. So that's it for this episode. This has been Mark, my words, and I'm your host, Mark Lipton. You can like and review and subscribe at the Apple Podcast Store or on SoundCloud, or you can, of course, always listen on my personal website, markliptonpaint.com forward slash podcasts or forward slash blog.